1: Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu summer for details.
2: The song of the day, I'm scared. Your Ben
1: Jarofsky show for Friday, May 15th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. That's correct. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors. That's correct. As well as the Local 150, the International uh, Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. Took me a minute. And of course, today's Ben Jorofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Jim (laughs) gives us our song of the day. Ben, our song of the day for Friday, May 15th, is Wooly Bully by Sam and the Sham. No, Sam the Sham of the Pharaohs. Yeah, thank
2: you. Wooly Bully. All right, a guy loves the 60s. Wooly Bully. One more time. One more time. Wooly Bully. Wooly Bully. Come on, D. Wooly Bully. Yeah. No more times. The Ben <laughs> Show
1: starts now. It is Friday, May 15th. And live from Ben's attic, this is The Ben Jorofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Romano rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor, Romana Hussein, And now
2: your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Cheesehead Revolt Friday, and here's why. Well, it's Friday, the end of the work week. The weekend's looming. The eagle is flying. And as soon as this show is over, ladies and gentlemen... Dennis and I are heading over to our local beer joint to down a few. Because we're manly men, and that's what we do. Right, D? We're doing that? <laughs> no, uh, that's not really what we do anyway. But uh, uh, we're not going to do that, obviously, because we live in the land of Lincoln. We live in the city of Chicago. And in the land of Lincoln and the city of Chicago, or at least in the city of Chicago part of the land of Lincoln, we are dutifully following the stay-at-home instructions of our leaders that would be Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. That means as I said, stay at home, social distancing, it's a pandemic, no bars, no restaurants, they're all closed. We're looking out for our health, our collective health because we all know that COVID-19 can spread very quickly, very easily. It's a deadly disease. One person gets it, another person can get it, etc. and so forth. And so collectively We are looking out for each other's best interests. And we have done this since, I want to say, the second week of March, D. We've been very dutifully doing this. No going to the taverns on Friday when the eagle flies.
1: I mean, we've been sitting here not... Six feet from each other, but we're doing our best in the attic. Hold
2: on, hold on. (laughs) I think technically I am now six feet. You're right, you're right. I had let the chair move a little too close. We're not wearing masks. I just want everybody to know that before he steps into this house, Dr. D does a test. A spelling test, nothing to do with COVID. Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) Bad joke, anyway. Um, But uh, up in Wisconsin, just to the north of us, it's party time. They're going out to the bar. So if you want to go to a bar, you want to go to a tavern, You can, all you got to do is drive up to the state of Wisconsin. Uh, what was it? Yesterday, or the day before I'm losing track of time, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, Governor Tony Evers, the Democrat, had exceeded his authority by shutting down the state, much the way Pritzker has done in Illinois and Mike DeWine has done in Ohio and uh, many other governors have done throughout the country. That, uh, but up in Wisconsin, the Supreme Court ruled that Tony Evers has exceeded his authority by shutting down the state unilaterally without legislative consent, without the consent of the legislature. And the legislature in Wisconsin, as you probably know if you listen to this show, is dominated by Republicans. So what the Republican? Uh, it was a four to three party vote, by the way. I should say in the Supreme Court, the Republicans voted to uh, that Tony Evers had exceeded his authority. The Democrats voted that he was acting in the best interest, the best public health interest of the people of of Wisconsin. And so, if he had exceeded his authority, there was a public reason for it. There was it was in the public's best interest. The uh, four. Uh, republicans on the court argued that we have the fundamental precept of our democracy is a check and a balance it's a bedrock of our democracy as established in the constitution we the people and the constitution also preserves the right of slave owners to hold slaves but we're not going to discuss that now all right talking about the constitution and we the people anyway uh so they said that evers had uh, exceeded his authority and that he could not close down the state without getting approval from the legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, which means it's confusion up in Wisconsin right now because Evers and the Republicans don't see eye to eye on anything. It's probably as bad, if not worse, a dysfunctional state uh, than we had in Illinois when it was Rauner versus Madigan and Cullerton. Remember those days, D? Wasn't that long ago. So I don't know what they're going to do in Wisconsin to figure this out. I don't know what lawsuits are going to be filed. I don't know if they could go to the feds. Who I have I have no idea what the state the future holds for the state of Wisconsin. I do know this. The papers are filled with pictures and stories of happy cheeseheads flocking to the bars. You got to give the Chicago Tribune credit the under a big headline back to square one. Oh, uh, great headline. Yeah. You like that? I love the Tribune headlines. Yeah, I can't compare it to anything in the Sun-Times because sometimes you didn't really cover this story. Uh, that pr- I'm just saying, all right? I love my beloved Bright One, okay? <laughs> First thing I read every day comes to my front door, but not a lot of coverage on this uh, important story. Anyway, it's the front page story in the Tribune. Uh, back to square one. Confusion reigns amid a patchwork of Wisconsin reopenings. It gets right to the point, D. I'm going to side with you on this one. All right. Uh, and then there's a big picture of a couple of bar patrons at Papa's Blue Spruce Resort Pub in Lake Geneva. And they're at the uh, at the bar. Look, they're cavorting. They're holding hands. Oh, they're having a good time. They're having a good time. Big yeah. fella's happy. Yeah. Okay? And uh, you don't see them. There's not a mask in sight. There's no social distancing in sight. They're holding hands. This one lady is laughing. She's wearing a cub shirt. A sweatshirt. Just saying. All right. Go Cubs. <laughs> yeah, right. Cubs, man. They got Cubs fans in Southern Wisconsin. You're supposed to be for the Brewers. I'm a Cardinals
1: fan, man. Oh, you mean the people in Wisconsin. They're supposed to be yeah, for the Brewers. Yeah, they're supposed to be are for the, the Brewers. About me? Yeah,
2: no. I know. I you're, hear you're some issues there. Anyway, um, so, yeah, winning. Uh, you know, suddenly uh, uh, cheeseheads everywhere are big fans of the Constitution, D. They, they love the Constitution in particular. They love the whole issue about the checks and the balances, all right, you know, so they're going to the bars to celebrate uh, the checks and balances that have been reinforced by the Supreme Court of Wisconsin. Now, I must confess, I'm uh, all over the map on this one, as I have many issues. He's always trying to pin me down. And then I'm like, my problem is I see both sides of the story too much. You know what I'm saying, D? I wish I could just see it just like black and white. Except that like things change the next day, and I'll be arguing the same thing I was arguing against the day before. So you know, I'm trying to uh, have some consistency in my worldview here. So to be consistent, I uphold the right of Republicans uh, to challenge Tony Evers, the governor of Wisconsin. Absolutely. I do believe in the uh, principle of checks and balances. I do not believe an executive should just be able to unilaterally ram his what budget or his stay-at-home order or whatever, uh, whatever decision he wants. He, I don't believe he should be able to just ram it down the state. I think that uh, the legislature should get a say in it. I uphold this uh, right, the same principle in, the, in Chicago with the city council and Lori Lightfoot. Remember that debate a few weeks ago. So um, I, I'm kind of with, in a principled way, uh, the Republican legislatures uh, in Wisconsin, as insane as that sounds, coming out of my mouth, I'm kind of with uh, the Republican legislators. But We could see that being taken and put into a um, into a commercial. He's with the legislature. I'm already working on it. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but on the other hand, I'm like, like, you know, this is a pandemic. And this is a serious disease. So now, Who am I going to believe in terms of the health safety issue? The scientists and the doctors who say this is life-threatening and that we really should quarantine ourselves or uh, stay at home or do social distancing or wear a mask? Or should I believe those happy cheeseheads in their saloons as they hug and hoist beers and uh, shake hands and nobody's wearing a mask and I don't know, it looks like they have a baseball game on in the background they wonder what game they could be possibly watching maybe an old brewer's game from a couple years ago so you know it's like doctors and scientists on one hand happy cheese heads on the other Mm, who do i believe well here's a thought what if the cheese heads are right d what if the scientists are wrong let me just break this down a little bit as i understand the central thought the thesis of uh, people who want to open up and want to uh, say there's no public interest at stake in ordering the states to close. The uh, Their central thesis is that uh, COVID-19 mainly kills old people, uh, that it's not nearly as contagious as the doctor says, and that, I may have mentioned this already, it mainly kills old people, and old people are all going to die anyway, so beep, F it, man, party on. And I'm like... What if they're right? You know what I'm saying, dude? Like, Like, what, what what, what, if they're absolutely right and it's not as contagious as all the doctors say it is and that it really only kills old people and it won't affect young people? This is sort of their general theory. This is the theory that is driving, this is the scientific theory that is, the, is driving the rebellion uh, against the Pritzkers and the Lightfoots and the Cuomos and the, even the Mike Devine, a few Republicans, uh, who are urging people to stay at home. What if they're absolutely correct and the doctors are all wrong? That means that Dennis and I have been locked up in this attic for no good reason for going on how many months now, D? It's two Too months. many. <laughs> I think Dennis is getting a little antsy up here in the attic these days. He wants to get back to that studio. I'm so, just getting burnt out. Yeah, man, it'll get to you after Overall. Yeah, just overall. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you, man. But anyway, what if they're right and we're wrong and we're stuck in this attic for no good reason? Man, we could have been out at Kelsey's Saloon, Dennis and I, hoisting beers every Friday night instead of hanging around watching Shit's Creek. Hmm. You know, there's the Sam Toya view of things. Uh, let's not forget Sam Toya. He's not a doctor. That is correct. He's a restaurateur. His family used to only own us, And I think he's the head of the Restaurant Association in Illinois. I forget what his exact title is. But he's essentially the person the Restaurant Association trots out to uh, talk to the media.
3: I'm not a doctor.
2: Yep. Just like Trump, he's not a doctor. And like me, I'm not a doctor. And like those uh, people cavorting in the saloons in Wisconsin, they're not doctors. Uh, The only person who's a doctor here is Dr. D. And he has no opinion. I'm not a doctor. uh, On any of this. Uh, But uh, Sam Toya? Uh, from the Illinois Restaurant Association uh, notes that, um, first of all, let's point out that the restaurant uh, industry in Illinois and this nation has been slammed really hard by this. And so there's a lot of great restaurant owners, rather decent human beings who are in danger of losing their establishments that they've worked so hard to create. So I understand the urgency that they're feeling. And Toya is speaking up on their behalf to say that maybe we should open the state up faster. All right, so that these restaurants don't all go out of business and they get a lifeline. That's his. Uh, that's his plea, and I and I'm sympathetic to that point of view. Uh, Soya uh, Toya notes that some states have already reopened: Indiana, Georgia, uh, and so they are the proverbial canaries in the coal mine, uh, according to Sam Toya. That we should watch and see what happens uh, in those states, and then reach some conclusions about Illinois. So uh, you know if let's say uh, people in Indiana and Georgia start getting sick really quickly because they've opened up too fast, if there's stories coming out of those states and other states that are reopening that the pandemic uh, is a fire, the disease is spreading, then yes, let's hold off on opening uh, up Illinois. But if the initial reports are that the disease is not spreading, and that the death rate is not increasing. Well, uh, if they're living, let's open up the bars here. Let's open up the restaurants here. I call it, as I said, uh, the canary in a coal mine uh, uh, approach to the problem. And I'm telling you right now, looks like we can add a few cheese heads to the canary coal <laughs> to the canary cage. We'll be watching what's going on in Wisconsin. We got a great show today, everybody. Ramona Hussein is uh, here. Yeah. You didn't thing. do it, so I had to.
1: I like when you do it. You know, when you bang the table. Uh, you know, it's like, let
2: you get to bang the table. Damn
3: man. you, China!
2: <laughs> uh, what did he say about his neighbor? I'm gonna eat my neighbor. I'm gonna eat your ass. Your neighbor's oh, Interesting. Side. Just the ass, not the neighbor. Uh, uh, that's Alex. Dennis's Alex Jones imitation. Anyway, Ramana Hussein is this here. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, Weeja Jang is the. Uh, um, Ramana, that's like number one on our list of things to discuss. I'm going to talk about her as well with uh, Dr. D in a little while. She's a CBS uh, reporter who had the exchange with Donald Trump. Somehow or other, we missed this one, D, over the week. We're talking about other things. Uh, Ramana wants to weigh in on this one. We had
1: Heather Booth weigh in on it on our uh, interview. Go download that, guys. Excellent memory. Mm -hmm. Dang.
2: Uh, and uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, We're going to give a little tribute to Albert Dickens. He'll tell you all about who he is, talk Craig Hodges, uh, and lots of other things to talk about with Ramona, saying the Ramona Rundown. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie with the news.
1: Hey, guys, I'm Dennis. Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the fourth and final time this week, we would like to remind all of you to download this weekend's Benny J. Bonus interviews. Yes, if you only listen to the live stream in YouTube, holy crap, you're missing out on even more Ben Jarovsky show content. Typically, we have three, count them three, brand new interviews on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But this weekend, we got two new ones, and we're throwing up a Greatest Hits interview, if you will. And that interview will happen on Saturday. It's going to be available by 5 a.m. In case you missed it or you would like to hear it again this Saturday at 5 a.m., it's our interview with Chicago Teachers Union Vice President Stacy Davis Gates from March
2: 20th. Ben, do you recall that interview? What did you guys talk about? Uh, she, I, can't, I can't remember what I talked about yesterday I'm trying to remember what, who I interviewed yesterday hmm. uh, but I do recall a, a spirited exchange about Lori Lightfoot that was among the list of things and uh, Lori Lightfoot's relationship with Stacey Davis Gates and the Chicago Teachers Union among other things
1: it's a great interview, and uh, we uh, you know, we kind of ask her her thoughts about Lori Lightfoot. She ducked and dodged. Listen to that on the <laughs> Benny J. Bonus interview. That's going to be available on Saturday uh, at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Actually, I
2: don't think she ducked and dodged. I think she <laughs> hit it head on. We'll see.
1: Well, you're going to have to listen to yeah.
2: find out. Uh, on Sunday, Ben, who do we got scheduled for Sunday? Well, I think, I don't know. We, we did not decide. I could tell you who. Uh, pick pick who. one, and that'll be it. Okay, we're going to go with
1: Miles, man. That's correct. Our good friend, Miles Cam Flassen, he's a writer for In These Times Magazine, and a lot of the live streamers really enjoy our interviews with Miles Cam Flassen. So we got another one ready for you. We're going to have that available on Sunday by 5 a.m. at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And finally, on Monday, what do we
2: got for the people on Monday? Lori Glenn and Juanita Rosari And you know, Lori Glenn tries to defend Lori Lightfoot a little bit, so uh be talking about that, but also she's on fire. They're both on fire about Donald Trump uh, and the whole issue of stay at home versus uh, going out and party like rock stars. Interesting to uh, hear what they have to say. It's our Benny J. Bonus interviews
1: this Saturday, Sunday, and Monday mornings available by 5 a.m. You can have them for breakfast. Uh, if all goes well 5 a.m., I'll be checking to make sure those get uh, posted at the correct time at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download. Your favorite podcast all right let's talk local news and if you haven't noticed uh, the local news is getting a little repetitive guys Governor J.B. Pritzker He's going to give us 2.30 coronavirus press briefing. More people, mainly Illinois conservatives, are pushing back against uh, J.B. Pritzker's five-phase reopen Illinois strategy. Let's begin with phase one. Not now, please. We know all the phases. More on that in moments. And for the third day in a row, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is apparently staying home and saving lives because she has no public events scheduled. Ben, what is Mayor Lightfoot doing right now well it's
2: a nice day out so she's going for a stroll oh. a nice stroll in the neighborhood going for All a right. nice stroll
1: and she's wearing in her the mask. neighborhood oh there you go and she's going to be listening to the ben Jarofsky show. show oh, she's right. right.
2: yo no she's uh oh no can you yeah she's got her little like uh thing in her ear earbuds a... ear... thank you <laughs> our host guys <laughs> see what i
1: mean pretty repetitive
2: we've talked we've said
1: that like four times already this week and besides like i said earlier Old uh, Dr. Doobie getting a little burnt out here, gang. So, in an attempt to switch things up, let's switch things up. Right now, in my face, is one of the latest Chicago Sun-Times pieces from the one and only Fran the Woe Man Spielman. Uh, Sort of an outlook piece on our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her first year as Chicago mayor. That's right, guys. I don't know, uh, you know, I know you've been busy uh, with this whole pandemic thing and uh, probably slipped your mind. Uh, Lori Lightfoot has been mayor of Chicago for over one year now.
2: Yeah, I've completely lost track. When you told that to me uh, right before we went on the show, I, I had lost track of time, D, but you're right. It's been a full year. Good God.
1: Oh, shout out to Fred. Fred says the mayor is uh, re-watching The Last Dance. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, and rooting for Cleveland. She's hoping it turns. I,
1: I like to point. Out, I always like to point out. She's from Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. Well, according to Johnny Joe, uh, Lori's knocking down a few at uh, Kelsey's <laughs> bar.
2: Johnny Joe, will be there after the show. All right, Kelsey's <laughs> bar in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. It's open for business. Let's all go up. Come on, join my convoy. We're going up to join uh, that convoy, Wisconsin all right wow were you singing the convoy song that
1: was a guitar that was my guitar all right ben i'm gonna read this here this piece from fran the woman spielman and uh you let us know if you agree or disagree with uh the piece and uh every now and again i'll stop and i'll go ben you disagree with that or agree and uh, you tell us why sounds like a
2: plan by the way we planned this out folks we've met it what was it like 11 30 all right let's pre-show meeting yeah we got it planned let's go d 11 30 more like uh 1258. that's correct what you got d we started at one by
1: the way okay uh let's see here let's do this for oh, in order for this to work ben uh and at least uh be a six out of a 10 on the uh, awesome podcast segment scale uh if you disagree i'm gonna need you to not duck and dodge all right just Say why you disagree. Wait, time right? out. We're up in the attic. Fran isn't going to come storming up here, okay? Wait,
2: so, uh, you're okay. Let's just get the, the ground rules set here, okay? <laughs> let's get them set right out. Uh, so, if I want to interrupt you, feel free. Do I knock? How about knock two times on the pipe? <laughs> No, oh, no it, ceiling. It's our, a ceiling.
1: Our listeners with dogs may hate that. So <laughs> okay, all right. The dog will start barking like crazy. So, uh, all right. I'll just,
2: I'll just let you f-
1: just. No, I'll just let you finish. No ducking and dodging, pal. Don't worry, Fran's not going to storm up here in the attic and go, Ben. What are you doing? So it's all right. all right. All right. Here we go. So on to Fran's latest piece. The headline reads, "Lightfoot's quote hell of a first year culminates in pandemic that will define her tenure."
2: I agree. So far, we yeah, will agree. Well, I don't know what hell of a means. Hell okay. of a. By the way, this is obviously. Hell of a first year. This will probably be in my beloved Bright One Home Delivered on Sunday. So I'll read it on Sunday. By, <laughs> I'll call you up. D, we got to talk about this. But whatever. We're going to do it uh, beforehand. All right. Hell of a. But what do they mean by hell of a? Well, we're going to find out here. No matter how long. oh, Fran's Well, I got to know if I agree with it. You know what I mean? It depends what you mean by hell. It sounds it like you kind of agree with it. I think you said you agree. So. I agree with the pandemic is is all important. Absolutely. Hell of a can
1: be many things, right? Mm. Man, I'm having a hell of a year. Is yeah. that good or bad? I don't know. So yeah. here we go. Mm-hmm. Fran writes, no matter how long it lasts or what else she says and does, Lori Lightfoot's tenure as mayor of Chicago will be defined by the coronavirus.
2: I agree. We
1: got two agrees. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. a, that's what's on everybody's mind. I'm trying to get people to care about tips. No, Ben, don't talk about tips. It's all about the virus. So go ahead, dude.
1: Shutting down the lakefront, cutting off citywide liquor sales, driving around the city to personally break up large gatherings, inspiring a hilarious string of memes that softened her hard edges.
2: I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm not sure I agreed that they were hilarious. Those memes. I mean, some of them were pretty funny. I don't. Did we even play anyone that were hilarious? You mean like those uh, videos? The yeah. Stay home, stay. Yeah. Some of them were hilarious. I just remember. I like the one, the um, the guy playing the uh, what was it a uh, uh, the the.
1: Sweet Home Chicago. Oh, you're talking about the challenges, the the songs that people post. Yeah, those are hilarious. Home. Yeah, yeah, those aren't those don't necessarily count as Lori Lightfoot memes, though, oh, right? All
2: right. Well, I, the only thing in that sentence I question is hilarious. Uh, all right. Hey, I'm not ducking and dodging. Dude. See,
1: I, that's what we need. <laughs> so far, we're at a four out of ten. We're gonna keep getting there, you, so you don't find this hilarious. <laughs>
0: just stay home
2: save lives let me just say something right here uh i believe what fran said what she inspired hilarious memes so oh, she was she's not about saying her, yeah the
1: picture of her standing outside
2: that is correct
1: those are pretty hilarious
2: okay so yeah all right all right so you know you're you know, that was my only quibble it was a minor quibble were they hilarious
1: all right we're at a minor quibble
2: that, that even i agree with you some of them were funny I, and i don't think that one the, the one I liked to Lori which we all you know know she stole from us is the one where she shoots the jump shot but I did like the um, when she did those <laughs> the guitar and then of course the um, well we'll see where she goes with this if she makes a reference uh, to getting a haircut. So go ahead
1: the friend uh, peace continues here. Her self-declared war on poverty made infinitely more difficult in black and Hispanic neighborhoods that have uh, borne the brunt of the layoffs and deaths.
2: Um, I believe that's absolutely true. I'm very dubious about how extensive that war on poverty was going to be because we it was it was more like a press release, a press statement, and there were no details to follow. And furthermore, as I wrote about with the TIF program, money is still going to relatively. Uh, Upscale gentrifying areas, so we don't know how much of a war on po- poverty was going to be. But France absolutely correct to say whatever war on poverty was going to be, it has been on hold because of the pandemic. The stay-at-home
1: shutdown in the Chicago economy that will blow a giant hole in her precariously balanced
2: budget. I totally freaking agree. <laughs>
1: the strike shortened school year, cut even shorter.
2: Uh, uh, totally freaking agree oh my this is hurting my knuckles
1: yeah and the bit's getting a little old and a chicago city council rebellion that gained steam during the mayor's 29 to 21 fight for emergency contracting and spending authority
2: i'm i forgot what i'm agreeing with there yes that happened we talked about that a lot uh so is that on hold because of the uh Actually, I think that the rebellion showed that there's a little fight left in that Chicago City Council. All right, we got a quote from Alderman Joe Moore. Ben, of what ward? Well, he's no longer an alderman. He's a former alderman, and it was the 49th ward in Rogers Park that's correct what a dork all right here's a quote (laughs) from
1: alderman joe moore former alderman Joe, former alderman joe moore and you tell us if you agree or disagree with joe moore go here's the quote if she is able to guide us through this incredibly difficult time and chicago emerges stronger she's going to be viewed historically as one of the city's greatest mayors but boy it's daunting
2: (laughs) um uh, joe i love you i've known you forever uh, I remember when you were an independent. I remember you were a young lawyer working for Harold Washington in uh, the corporation council. And uh, what can I say about that quote? Um, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's, yeah. Listen, Chicagoans, this is the way I look at it. Chicagoans love their mayors. They tend to have this... It's a strong affection uh, toward their mayors and they love strong mayors and they love mayors that tell people off. Uh, they like a, a mayor who they you can either say is tough or a bully, but they love him. I, just look at the pattern. With the exception of Harold Washington, they've always voted uh, for tough bully mayors. And so if... Wooly bully mayors? Wooly bu- Very good. Tying it all together. Excellent. And so somehow or other... If the world in Chicago continues after COVID-19, and I hope it does, being mildly ironic when I say if it continues, uh, Chicagoans will view Lori Lightfoot as the symbol of their resistance to it. Like the Sun-Times had an editorial today, I don't know if you saw it, it was about those masks, Chicago masks with the the city flag on them that Lori Lightfoot wears and the Sun-Times was saying this is a symbol of how tough we are and how resilient we are. And so, yes, they will identify with Lori Lightfoot. Joe Moore is absolutely correct. But I I don't think that Lori Lightfoot is the pivotal point in the fight against COVID-19. I mean, this is an international problem. It's bigger than the city of Chicago. So it's not, you know what I'm saying, D? It's sort of like, What happens in Wisconsin affects us as well. What happens downstate with the legislators uh, battling Pritzker affects us as well. What happens in the White House affects us as well, the national strategy to all this. But Chicagoans, we're very very, uh, parochial, we're very provincial, we have this... We get this awestruck view of our mayor. I think Joe Moore, upon reflection, Joe Moore is absolutely correct. When this is over, and it will be over, Chicagoans will love Lori Lightfoot even more than they already do, particularly on the north side. I'll point out, uh, Joe Moore, former alderman of 49th Ward, uh, and, but for 10 trivia points, D, who is now the alderman of the 49th Ward?
1: Oh, of course. It's Ice Cube. <laughs> no, it's uh, actually, I know who it is. Yeah, it's, I know uh, you know
2: who it is. It's uh, Maria Haddon. Excellent. Would it do work? Um, anyway, uh, so uh, I th- learn from the best. <laughs> uh, Joe Moore, the, the 49th ward is Rogers Park, It's the North Side ward. So Joe Moore knows that how popular uh, Lori Lightfoot is up there. So yes, when it's all done, people will be bowing down to Lori Lightfoot even more than they already bow down to her. Hey, live
1: stream chat. Let's have a little fun here. We're uh, there's more of this article to go from France Bielman. I'm not reading the whole thing. Oh man,
2: I'm like it's like (laughs) really
1: long, but I got more. We're gonna read more. But uh, uh, I'm enjoying this. After we're done, uh, what do you say we uh, give Lori a grade on uh, the live stream chat? She's been here for a year. What do you say, Jay Marie? Jay Marie, I know you're (laughs) great,
2: but go ahead and give it anyway. Marie F minus is a thing, Jay Marie. I'm gonna throw this at you. Find something you give her a D on. Just one thing, all right. Just you know, just to show her that like you're like the fair teacher. You're tough. Tough teacher, Jay Marie. But just find one thing you can give her a D on. All right, D, go ahead.
1: Get way in with your grade and maybe a reason why, and uh, you'll help us out with this segment here. All right, I got more quotes.
2: How about Peter G and Greco, huh? Oh, the, the he's a strategist.
1: Former strategist for Susanna Mendoza during her mayoral campaign. I
2: did not know for ten oh. trivia points. Oh, here we go. Who is Peter's brother? Oh, uh, Gene Gene Greco, <laughs> uh, you can tell the guy's not from Chicago. Mark and Greco, oh. Channel Seven Sports. Come on, D. Yeah,
1: I tried warming up to the the, the Chicago news. I don't know. I'm not a big Chicago news yeah, guy. Okay. That downstate news, that's yeah, friendly. But anyway, uh, uh,
2: well, there goes the job at WGN. Anyway, oh, D, go way, ahead. Like that. <laughs> That
1: went away long ago, buddy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Democratic political consultant Peter Greco, who advised Susanna Mendoza's losing mayoral campaign against Lightfoot, said, quote, the most important measure of any executive is to show strong leadership during a crisis. And Lightfoot has, quote, hit that one out of the park.
2: <laughs> See what I'm saying? They love. This is where there's a part of me that kind of like is, you know, they go, oh, man, everyone's going to kick me out of the north side. But I kind of like respect what those Republicans in Wisconsin did. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm like, yeah, I like leadership at a moment of crises. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't like tyrants. I don't like bullies. I'm not saying the Lord Life is a tyrant or a bully. But I'm like, you know, this whole thing of, oh, they're strong. They're our leaders. They, without them, we'd be lost. This notion that we... Yeah, uh, I'm not really feeling that G and Greco quote. You know what I'm saying, dude?
1: And there went your gig at G All
2: right. <laughs> oh, D, D, you that gate was slammed shut many years ago. Right. Oh, that lefty. Uh,
1: all right, and then we got another G and Greco quote here. Uh, she sa- or he says, quote, uh, she's got to keep leveling with people. She's at her best
2: when she's telling people inconvenient truths. Oh, like... Uh... We're going to arrest you all. Okay, wait, what a... if... So, where does... Uh, Jane Greco, where does the haircut thing fall in the inconvenient truth part? Was that leveling with Chicago when she made the thing about how we're not supposed to go get haircuts or hair colors, but then she went out and got a haircut D. Where does that fall in the... See what I'm saying? It's just like this blind allegiance to our powerful mayors and they're always right oh they oh. will shut wrong. you down
0: <laughs> we will cite you and if we need to we will arrest you and we will take you to jail
2: i get it yeah g and greco's like lock them up huh. I don't, man, it's like I'm saying, that's the Chicago mentality. It's so strong. It's so perfect. Gian Greco's not even from Chicago, by the way, D. I don't know the guy, but I know, uh, I, I read his biography or his, his an interview he did. With, I think he's from upstate New York. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but he's got that Chicago mentality level with us. <laughs> Chicago. When is a Chicago mayor actually really leveled with anybody? You know, like, oh, here I go. Oh, D, here it comes. I feel it coming. A tiff tangent. The biggest right. economic development program the city of Chicago has is a freaking lie, people. So when have they ever leveled to us? Like they they drop this tax on our property tax. They don't tell us they're doing it. Is that leveling? Man, the CTS. That's why I never get invited to parties, man. I just, I mean, there's more <laughs> reasons, but that's a big one. <laughs> Uh-oh, he's going to start talking about tips again. Look out. What well, level? I... When is any Chicago... Ma- Was Mayor Rahm leveling with us when he handled the Laquan McDonald video? Uh, uh, that poorly dressed fella uh, keeps talking about tips. Never invite him again. And Laquan McDonald. When's he going to get over that Laquan McDonald thing? Oh, my God. Level. Nobody's leveled in the city of Chicago ever. Ever. Okay? To, ki- to find out what our mayors are up to people have to file freedom of information requests. Danny Mahopolis, Mick Dumpkey, Dave Glowads. the list goes on and on. Investigative reporters always filing. Well, let's see what they're up to. We got to file got to file for their schedules. You got to file for their emails. You got to file for their text messages. You got to file for all the little secret documents that they don't want anyone to see cuz they're leveling with us. <laughs> they have never leveled with us in the whole history of Chicago. Oh wait, Let me amend that, D. I only moved here in 1981, okay? And there were six blissful years when Harold Washington reigned. Hold on, D. You go, boy. Uh, I love Harold Washington. Anyway, there's not been a lot of leveling in the city of Chicago unless, unless it's leveling public housing complexes and moving poor people out.
1: All right, for hey, how goes- about
2: that? I just that one just came out of nowhere. I'm telling you, Michael Girardi would have loved that. Get that one in the next song, Michael. Go ahead,
1: Michael. Where's the next song, man? Come <laughs> yeah, on. come on, man. You're <laughs> getting a little slow there. <laughs> All right, uh, it says here Wednesday will mark the one year anniversary of Lightfoot's historic inauguration as the first African American female and first openly gay mayor of Chicago. I mean, you can't really disagree with that, right? What was that again? Wednesday will mark the one-year anniversary of Lightfoot's historic inauguration as the first African-American female and first openly gay mayor of Chicago. Well, that, I mean, yeah. What's it,
2: Wednesday? Sunrise, sunset. I remember where I was, D? Oh, yeah, I was, for 10 trivia points, who did I go to that with? You remember? What, oh, the inauguration? Oh, yeah. you went with uh, Maya. That's correct. And we bumped into uh, Sukar's Outside. We had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I can't believe a full year has gone by
1: what was Sue Garza's thoughts when uh, Lori was first inaugurated
2: oh she was so happy because she had just uh, been part of that deal where she got a committee she goes can you believe it Ben Jaworski <laughs> <laughs> Jaworski oh, I love you Sue Garza <laughs> can you believe it Ben Jaworski I'm a committee chair God bless you Sue uh, 10th Ward Alderwoman
1: all right, everybody. So uh, we got more of uh, Fran's article to read here, but we got some grades. We got some grades for uh, Lori's <laughs> okay. first year. So here let's find out what we got here. Got All the right. dramatic music. Level with me,
2: D. Level with me. Like oh. our mayors, always level with us. All
1: right, here we go. Go in the live stream chat. Let us know, everybody. What is the grade that you give Lori Lightfoot in her first year as mayor? Yes, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show, so I think you may know uh, some of the answers here. We got row. Rowe weighs in. Rowe gives Mayor Lori Lightfoot
2: NF. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you know, that's hard, man. I, but I was, see, here's the thing. I didn't do that well in school, so I always liked a generous greater D. You know what I'm saying? I always kind of believed in the philosophy of social promotion. It, it, did, it worked well for me in life. Uh, that's, look at me, look at my career, dear. I'm up in an attic. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I don't know, an F, come on, Ro. How about it? just like a D to encourage her, you know, maybe just nice try. Jay Marie.
1: Oh. <laughs> no, this is got to be brutal. Ben Jarofsky Show devotee Jay Marie has weighed in <laughs> okay. and given her grade of Mayor Lori Lightfoot <laughs> in her first year as Chicago Mayor. Yeah. Feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat as well, live stream chatters, and get your grade in. Jay Marie has given Lori Lightfoot
2: an F! <laughs> with exclamation marks. Okay. <laughs> The exclamation mark. And Wait, she just, added, yeah. she
1: sucks. <laughs> okay. And then put, Lori is an elitist corporate lawyer who was propped up and elected by middle and upper class white Northsiders. <laughs> Way to go, Ben. And I, not my ideal candidate.
2: <laughs> well, Jay Marie, you always speak from your heart. That's
1: you Wait, know. Jay Marie has changed her grade. She has listened to what you said. Yeah. D minus.
2: Okay. Thank you, Jay Marie. Social promotion matters. Okay. Just think I'd still be at Evanston High School if it wasn't for social promotion. That chemistry was always a struggle for me.
1: And uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, Bruce, Bruce. Hmm. Bruce, Bruce gives her an incomplete. <laughs>
2: well, you know, actually, I mean, it's, you know, like, well, that's the theme of Fran's article, correct? D? that it's really hard to make any judgments about Lori Lightfoot because everything is sort of slammed to a halt by this crisis we're facing.
1: And the article continues here. We've got some Lightfoot quotes. This is Fran the Woman spielmans article, by the way. Go check out the Fran Spielman Show. That's right. It's uh, every Friday available at, both chi- oh, at just the Chicago Sun-Times website. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we roll out of here, I will tell you who her guest is. I know her guest last week was Mayor Lori Lightfoot. So uh, if you want an interview with Mayor Lightfoot, probably not going to get it here <laughs> on the Ben Jaroski <laughs> Show, but you will get it on the Fran <laughs> Spielman Show yeah. Fridays at the Chicago Sun-Times website. That's correct. All right, now let's read the rest of this here. Lightfoot quotes here. She says, quote, it's been a hell of a year. That's where the hell of a I year see, part I see. Nobody comes into office thinking they're going to have to deal with a pandemic before they even hit their one-year anniversary. It's been a humbling experience. I'm not going to say that there haven't been days where I shed a tear. I have. I've wept for the loss. I've wept for the hardship that so many people are suffering. But I know that they rely upon me to pick myself up and get back into the fight every single day.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good quote. I think even Jay Marie will like that quote, okay? That's a good quote. Don't you think so, D? Oh, we got a new grade for Lori Lightfoot.
1: No, uh, Jay Marie won't think that. Okay, No, but what go. do
2: you think? You Let's, like that quote, get back in the race? I mean, they, again, that's what people look for in their leader. They want to look for a leader like me up in the attic complaining. They want someone who's... Forthright and out there and
1: that was a good quote. Yeah, it was a good quote. Okay, there, show some love for Lori. Alright, we got a grade. This comes from, let me look here. Matt. Okay. Matt has given Lori Lightfoot her first year as mayor of the city of Chicago. A B plus.
2: Whoa. Oh wow. Okay. See? We have a diverse listener group, okay, a B plus. Well, you know, okay, B+. Plus. I could see that. I could see some of uh, it. I would say, if you're talking about the way she's handled, uh, by and large, except for the stumble with the haircut, uh, the way she's handled the pandemic, I think that would appropriate grade. But I'll tell you what, Jamie, I'm still chuckling over Jamie. <laughs> she's blaming it all on white people on the north side. She got 75% of the vote citywide in against Tony Perkwinkle. Just saying.
1: All right. And uh, Fran continues on here. It seems forever ago that Lightfoot used her inaugural address to uh, her address to portray the city council as corrupt, stripped aldermen of their quote prerogative over licensing and permitting in their wards and used her first council meeting to humiliate now indicted Alderman Ed Burke. Since then Lightfoot has been faced with so many controversies that she jokingly has compared herself to the central character in the Bible's book of Job. She erased what she said was an, 838 million dollar shortfall without a massive property tax increase by balancing her 11.6 billion dollar budget with assumptions and one-time revenues
2: i agree with pretty much everything uh fran wrote in that budget part of that sentence and uh i the the grade i would give. see i always divide the the grade up d you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and then like yeah and i've always given her an a for humiliating ed burke and then even like the laurie haters there's so many of them in my universe go ben the feds are already bloodied up ed burke stop giving laurie an a for that you know what so what ed burke symbolized pretty much or personified everything that was wrong with the city of chicago and by the way how going back to the leveling thing were they leveling? Were our mayors leveling with us when they allowed Ed Burke to be the chairman of the finance committee while running his own uh, property tax business on the side, property tax law business on the side? Was that leveling with the city of Chicago when the guy in charge of finance was also winning tax breaks for some of the wealthiest Downtown property owners were, were, was Mayor Rahm and Mayor Daly, were they leveling with us when they allowed that to go along and look the other way? Like, I see nothing, I hear nothing. Was that leveling with us? So I always give Lori Lightfoot credit. She replaced Ed Burke with Scott back. And I'd say that we're better off with Scott Wagersbeck, our good friend Scotty Wagersbeck, uh, as the head of the finance committee than we were with Ed Burke. I just got to give Lori Lightfoot credit for that. Uh, and, um, so there, I'm going to say that Lori Lightfoot did a great thing. Now, in terms of that alderman and prerogative, it was a made up issue. It was a made up issue when Lori ran on it. It was a made up issue when so many lefties and liberals waved the little flag for it. It's still a made up issue. I would much rather have alderman in charge of, of zoning matters. Let's put it this way in, in, um, uh, in, overseeing zoning matters than having some unnamed unknown bureaucrat in city hall. So this whole notion of alderman and prerogative, I think Lori Lightfoot's gone too far in that direction. And I'd give her a D on that one. How about that? D? Whoa. (laughs) Dang.
1: Teacher Jarofsky. I just don't like
2: giving Fs. You know, Fs are so not, that's so mean, man. Did you You ever ever... get an F in high school? Are you, is that a, is that a serious question? You did? (laughs) Uh, I have no comments about my scholarship. Career. Let me just say I've struggled in a few courses. D. Oh, yeah, I used to, to get band. Fs.
1: That's fine. Okay. Right. Um, no comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> a lot of marijuana was.
2: I blame it on the marijuana. It's actually college.
1: Math was really hard. I I, I
2: couldn't get it right. No Math and I mean. science. You know. That's why, why I'm. You know. I'm so open minded about the cheeseheads in Wisconsin. Maybe they're right. Maybe they know more about. You know. Uh, contagious diseases than the doctors and scientists so that's why yeah.
1: alright so there it was uh, we're done reading that free and spin Oh article. I love that
2: that was one of the mo- All right, I'll
1: do one more one I'll do more. one Come more on, line from the, from the piece uh, alright it says here let me find a good one where did I leave off all right. Okay. During the budget battle, Lightfoot angrily accused ride-hailing giant Uber of paying off Black ministers. Oh, I forgot
2: all about. this. I remember this. With one. an
1: offer of fifty-four million dollars to kill her forty million dollar congestion fee, the unsubstantiated charge offended the ministers, a powerful political force.
2: Where's she going with that? Is that the end? Of, is that just a sentence? That's. Yeah, I remember that, and they did offend, and she had to kind of back off from that, and that's something that Lori does. Sometimes she'll say, you know, she kind of reminds me of, uh, in this regard, of f- certain friends of mine who'll see something on Facebook and call me up and tell me, you know, "Ben, the- I- just fill in the blank," and I'm always, would you see that? Facebook? All right, well, whoa, where did you get? What's the source? You know, I'm always nervous when people cite Facebook uh, as their source. So sometimes Lori uh, shoots from her hip and. I don't know what she hears something in the back room of city hall and she goes and tells the press about it. But that Uber thing is yeah, she kind of had a uh, back off. <laughs>
1: yeah. I forgot of, all know. about the Uber thing. Let's yeah. keep reading. Cause I forgot all about this one too. After the council vote, the mayor again showed how intolerant she is to dissent. She used her political action committee to shame the 11 aldermen who dared to vote against a budget that they said, quote, woefully underfunds affordable housing and mental health.
2: Yeah. All right. Now, first of all, I did think the budget, uh, woefully underfunded mental health, I do think that the Mayor Lightfoot uh, has backed off on some of the... I don't even know if they were promises that she made. But I think what Lori, candidate Lori Lightfoot was very skillful at, uh, and this is she showed a political ability here, D, that the great ones have, uh, even though she, this was, I think, her first run for office. So she was a rookie, but she showed an ability to tell people what they wanted to hear. The great ones can do that just naturally. So when she came to the hideout, Dumkey and I were... Uh, uh our old hideout show uh she looked around that room saw nothing but lefties and liberals and so she told us we wanted to hear her. okay you know and we're like yeah man jay maria i fell for it i was like she's speaking my language uh when she got the office she's like you didn't actually think i was gonna do any of that stuff did you Ben? come on you're not dumb are you huh huh i know you flunked chemistry at Evanston high school but you're smarter than that so, um, actually, I didn't flunk chemistry D. Just want to say that. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I was social promotion uh, D. But anyway, so uh, yeah, she. Um, I feel as though the essential point that Fran made is a, uh, is correct that so many of these great uh, issues that the city of Chicago was facing have put on been put on hold uh, by the uh, pandemic, and that. Uh, The real challenge when we emerge, and I'm hoping we emerge, that we do emerge someday, uh, is whether we will have, what, leveling, to use Jean Greco's word, whether we'll have uh, transparency, whether we'll know if Mayor Lori Lightfoot is uh, giving us all the facts and all the figures, or is she just demanding that we believe her? insisting that we believe, just like in that debate, this was the essence of that debate that went down a couple of weeks ago where Carlos and Raylo led the charge unsuccessfully to try to get Lori Lightfoot uh, against Lori Lightfoot, giving herself total control over expenditures uh, for COVID-related uh, matters. Uh, do you trust your mayor? Are you, Chicago, going to uh, turn that love and allegiance, you have for and Lori Lightfoot, at this moment of crisis, are you going to turn that into just what's blind adoration and allow her complete, unfettered control over government like you allowed it for Mayor Richard Daley in the 90s? Come on, Chicago, that was not your finest moment. Whatever Mayor Daley did, it was you bowed down to him. You allowed him to do whatever he wanted. He plowed, it's like 2003, in the middle of the night, uh, he had his work crews destroy Meg's, field, the airport on the lake, and Chicagoans woke up and go, oh my god, he's a boss who does whatever he wanted. Yeah, that was already in year, what, 12 of Mayor Daley's reign? He'd been doing whatever he wanted, and Chicagoans attitude during the 90s and in the O's was, well, we need an all-powerful Mayor Ben, because it's such a dangerous time. So are you going to have that same attitude? You're always just going to turn things over to the boss? Is that how it's going to be, Chicago? That little Chicago mentality? You know? So... We'll see. We'll see when we emerge from this uh, how much leveling there will be by the mayor of the city of Chicago. But what grade do you give her, D?
1: Well, we got one more, and I'll give my grade. Uh, It's in the – Fran Spione also reminded us here, Lightfoot also endured an 11-day teacher strike that ended only after she lost the public relations battle to a machine-like Chicago teachers union and essentially gave away the store to the union that backed her vanquished opponent, Tony Preckwinkle, the Cook County Board president.
2: Okay, see, now I finally have to disagree. Machine-like? Come on, Fran. Machine-like? I don't, you know, I mean, well, listen, I was out there. I was with the teachers. You know, I thought that it—I I thought it was ridiculous and absurd that the city of Chicago would not, on its own, agree to put in a budget expenditures for nurses. We had just been through the ROM years where he c- closed the clinics. Okay, we— one of the things that Mayor Lightfoot talked about was having more compassion. For people who needed health services in poor neighborhoods, I remember her saying that and opening the clinics. And so I feel as though that's where one of the shortfalls of Mayor Lori Lightfoot has been in her outreach to the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, D, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say what everyone says. Ben, ben <laughs> you love, love the bulls. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, Ben, you love Stacy Davis-Gates a little too much. Everybody goes, that's your girl, you know, Stacey Davis-Gates. I, I do have a lot of admiration for Stacey Davis-Gates. I just don't understand why Lori Lightfoot and Stacy could not have had some kind of meeting, put the issues aside, put their differences aside. I've seen Lori Lightfoot meet with powerful leaders of industry. They didn't all endorse her in the race. A lot of them endorsed uh, Bill Daly. Bill Daley. So I will I never understand this antipathy that mayors have for the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, the te- Chicago Teachers Union, since Karen Jennings Lewis took control. Before that, they were, always, they were in bed together. And so uh, that would be the low grade. And to, th- th- this notion that the, the Teachers Union is a machine because they were, I don't know, standing up for the, the rights to, of school kids to have nurses, I don't think that's fair. I uh, that the lowest grade I would give Lori is her dealing with this the teachers, the union, and the schools. And this is before the pandemic. All right, everybody. So feel free to weigh in with your grades on Chicago
1: Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I guess we're gonna move on Wait, here. Wait,
2: time out, what's your grade? Don't duck and oh, dodge. Okay, don't day. duck and dodge oh, we're gonna move on. <laughs>
1: uh uh-uh. <Well>, It's not <laughs> called the Dennis <laughs> Show, but anyway. Um it's okay. I start every you start out with an A, right? Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. The TIF thing, dude, I've worked with you for like three years. That still goes over my head. I'm a hillbilly. I don't know much about that. So, and the Lincoln Yards thing was like, ah, okay, Uh, let's see. Teacher strike. I don't know. That's what you do, right? You negotiate a strike. So I was like, all right, you know, she probably should work with the teachers a little more, but that's what you do. You negotiate. Maybe she's just a hard negotiator. All right. So she was still cool there. The 11 Alderman thing, I thought that was ridiculous. Why are you going to put that on a website? She worked her way to a C after that. And then after this quote.
0: We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you. And we will take you to jail.
1: You're at a D plus, ma'am.
2: <laughs> That's why they call him Dr. D. Uh d plus dr deep dr d plus dr doobie dr. d plus huh d plus wow you're harder than i am man well, you yeah. are harder than i am
1: never had a mayor uh, threaten to arrest people for playing
2: basketball <laughs> yeah
1: never encountered that so you know
2: uh well that's that's the side of of lori that my Northside neighbors love and adore <laughs> and i don't uh, get that um all right, so I have to give her a grade now. I hate giving grades. Get ready for it. See, here we go. Uh, you know what? In the spirit All right, here we go. Remember the spirit I had where all Chicago Public School children in the, the pandemic should get A's, D? Remember I said that? Yeah, yeah, remember yeah. Remember that? I uh-huh. said that? I I remember us saying that. <laughs> oh, they were wrestling with that one. What which this what we have to be. We have to set an example. We can't just allow these kids to get passing grades if they haven't done the work. Uh, so I always forget the line from the wall. but Do it's you just hear like this music? Line. Yeah, I know. A building as I... Uh, <laughs> so, you know what? Let's, just as I say, give all the kids of Chicago A's. Give Lori Lightfoot an A. What the heck, huh? In the spirit. <laughs> and while you're at it, D, give yourself an A, okay? Jay Marie, please. <laughs> give Keep Jay-Mar- listening, Jay Marie. Uh, I'm going to give Jay Marie an A, all right, too. Everybody gets A's. <laughs> A's, it's like Oprah. You get an A, <laughs> and you get an A. Look under your seat. A's for everybody. Wisconsin Cheesehead legislators, A's for them, okay? Everybody, Donnie Trump, give him an A. Oh, thank you. I'm not a doctor.
1: All right, real quick, we got we got some state news to talk about. Illinois Governor Jamie Pritzker. I'd love to win a Grammy. Oh, wow, that's Wait, interesting. where'd
2: you get that one? That's excellent. You never played that. I don't remember that. Where'd you get that He'd one? i would love to win a Grammy. I'd love, I'd love to win a Grammy. Wow. <laughs> you must have did oh, that D.
1: No, no, that was from that commercial where he talked about the Eagles or whatever. Oh. He loves the Eagles, ladies
2: and gentlemen. What's your favorite Eagles song, B? Uh,
1: Hotel California. All right, everybody. What he knows. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, real quick here uh, more pushback on Ill- or, uh, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker's stay at home order here. The following comes from the meanest Illinois political <laughs> bulldog in the yard. Get him off the chain, Rich Miller. U.S. Representatives, Darren LaHood. <laughs> Bill or Bill. Ben of what district?
2: Darren LaHood. I don't know. He's <laughs> Yeah, hey, Peoria. gotcha. Peoria. Wow, well, it's okay. Yeah, you're, 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 uh, 18. Oh, I don't know the congressional districts. I know he's from Peoria. How about that? No, that doesn't count. Sorry.
1: <laughs> U.S. Representatives Darren LaHood, John Shimkus, Adam Kinzinger, uh, also known as nobody's favorite, (laughs) Rodney Davis, and Mike Boast sent a letter today to congressional leadership urging that Congress take action to prevent governors, mainly the one in our state, from withholding federal funds appropriated by Congress for local municipalities that allow their small businesses to reopen in accordance with federal health guidelines, but ahead of arbitrary timelines outlined by states.
2: Can I weigh in this one now? Yes, sir. All right. That's the, those are the Republican congressmen. No no Democrats signed on to that. And so clearly, the Republican congressmen are getting involved in a very parochial Illinois fight. It's interesting. They, I always w- want excuse me, my Chicago congressmen to uh, act as citizens in the city of Chicago. I've always urged them to do so and not just avoid the fights that are happening in Chicago. For instance, we have a Chicago teacher's. Uh, strike! I would have, you know, liked to see uh, some of our congressmen, congresswomen, on the front lines with the teachers. I mean, they're all Democrats, right? You know, but he uh, don't, don't want to offend the mayor, so I think I'll sit this one out. That's typical Democrat. I think I'll s- pretend this one's not happening. Meanwhile, the Republicans, they, you know, they got their fingers in the You know what? I think it's a good idea. I know which way the wind's blowing. I'm going to go with uh, the rank and file, the Darren Bailey's of the world, and I'm going to uh, go with the Republicans. So they're saying they, want, they don't want Pritzker to have the leverage to use on counties downstate uh, that want to, to open up the possibility that that Pritzker would withhold federal funds from them as a punishment. D, I'm telling you, I don't know if that's a good... I don't know if you should punish a county by withholding the funds. That's something I have to think about. Uh, You know, you're... But I am a little disappointed with the Republicans because the things they resist, you know, the times they choose to get involved, I remember... Back in 2008, 2009, when Mayor Daley had the absurd, insane notion to bring the Olympics to Chicago, which would all but guarantee that Chicago would be bankrupt because essentially we'd be writing a a blank check to the International Olympic Committee to finance games that we had no money to pay for. We were struggling to pay for our schools as always. Every single Republican legislator in the state of Illinois lined up. So they're all lined up with Mayor Daley and the Democrats when it came to throwing our money out the window for the Olympics. But now they want to get involved and try to tie Pritzker's hands when he's dealing with this health crisis. So once again, I'm very disappointed, profoundly disappointed with Republican congressmen and women. Oh, it's all congressmen in this case uh, from the state of Illinois because... Their priorities, as always, are out of whack.
1: So there you are. Uh, a little uh, J.B. Pritzker news there. That was fun, that
2: uh, that article
1: we did from Fran Spielman. Good yes, times. It was a lot of fun. Uh, give your grades on the live stream chat, everybody. Uh, yeah, I, I pulled some uh, more Pritzker clips over uh, the week. You want to hear some of the other ones yes. I got real
2: quick? I'd love the Grammy one. Yeah, Oh, this one? I'd love to win a Grammy. <laughs> Wouldn't we all, buddy? <laughs> Wouldn't we all? I huh? think I should get one. Like yesterday, you sort of compli- complimented my singing, D. Oh,
1: you yeah. kind
2: of did. You kind of said you liked well, it. Well,
1: we'll find you a kind of Grammy. Uh, let's see here. Here's a, <laughs> here's another one. Hey, uh, what's your favorite season, uh, JB Pritzker? Springtime, love it. Oh, okay, springtime, love it. Pretty good,
2: right? Springtime, love it. What, what what's your favorite season, D?
1: My favorite season? Yeah. Uh, I like summer. I like fall what about it? jb's is way better springtime love it love it all right and oh and then uh there's this one here yeah yeah i got that one today. best concert yeah it's steve miller band and the eagles
2: <laughs> he loves the eagles i was just thinking of steve miller do you know any steve miller songs Steve?
1: Uh, not offhand. I mean, I know some. I just... Oh, uh, Smoker, Joker, yeah. Midnight Toker yeah. song? You yeah, like that yeah.
2: song? Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, really. Space Cowboy? I like Space Cowboy.
1: Yeah, that's a
2: good song. Yeah. Uh, living in the USA. De, 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 de. Steve Miller had a couple good songs.
1: All right, everybody. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Romana Hussein is going to join us for another Romana rundown. Uh, what are you going to be talking with, uh, with Romana? Well, we
2: are going to... We have a lot on the agenda. Uh, we, Ja, Zhang... Uh, the uh, I I'm hope I'm not butchering her pronunciation name, and it's a shame if I do because everybody butchers mine. The CBS reporter and her confrontation with Trump. We missed that, and I very dutifully sent uh, Dennis a uh, the, the the link to the, the exchange, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, and uh, she's got Romana has a lot on her mind. Uh, to talking about uh, Wisconsin's rebellion and the cheeseheads going to the bars, and uh, how she's trying not to lose her mind, staying at home. So lots of good stuff to talk about with Romana Hussein.
1: Hell yeah, guys. Don't go anywhere. It's the binge. Oh, oh, and Craig Hodges. Oh, Craig
2: Hodges. We Make have sure to talk Craig yeah. Hodges. Oh, my God. Craig, how did I forget Craig Hodges, D? You did. Can, can I take a minute? To, yeah, Please just, do. Uh, yesterday, I did the interview with Craig Hodges, uh, the great the legendary Chicago Bulls, a three-point shooter, outspoken political activist, uh, paid a hefty price uh, for his political beliefs. He was essentially kicked out of the NBA. Yeah, really open-minded NBA. Uh, And um, never the Bulls didn't... In 92, they didn't pick up his contract. Uh, No team would even give him a tryout. Uh, He's essentially exiled because he was outspoken in his belief that the government should do more for black America. And uh, so I've always had a a lot of respect for Craig Hodges, both on the court and off the court. And I love this game. I mean, I just... The guy was fearless when it came to shooting that three, and he played uh, with the Bulls on the first two championship teams, 91 and 92, I had to think about it. Uh, And uh, so we talk about uh, the last dance of the movie. We talk about uh, his days with the Bulls. He talks about his sort of like conflicted attitude toward Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan's political stance or lack thereof. Uh, He talks about uh, how he's been exiled (laughs) uh a lot just a great conversation free-flowing conversation uh with craig hodges and then of course we get into a little political wrangling at the end as we always do whenever i talk with craig hodges because we don't see eye to eye uh on absolutely everything but uh i really enjoy talking to him you know we should bring him we we should make him part of the regular rotation d you know what i'm saying like once a month or so with craig hodges because he's got a lot to say and uh not just about basketball so anyway uh Romana has some thoughts about Craig Hodges as well.
1: Yeah, go download that interview with Craig Hodges. It was excellent. Uh, Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast. That's right, guys. We have a second part of the show we do the live stream portion and then once the live stream's over we record an interview and we post it at about seven o'clock so we really encourage that you go check out uh, the ben jarofsky show on both Chicago Suntime, chicago reader websites so or wherever else you download podcast turns out there's like over 500 uh, episodes there so go check it out and we'll be right back with the Romano rundown it's the ben jarofsky show and we are live from ben's attic Get out of
2: business. The candidate most likable is somehow not electable. That's the story from the end. It's all real.
3: We'd
1: like to save the world when
2: it's under attack. But how you going to pay for that? Ow! Oh.
3: correct correct. That's correct. When people walk through that the world is flat, we'll just give them their money back. Oh yeah! Let's begin with phase one.
1: Axel Rose ending.
2: <laughs>
1: hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarosky Show, live from Ben's attic.
2: All right, hold on. Let me light my uh, match. There we go. Ooh, <laughs> match. match. It's, so it's cool. a lighter. Oh, well. Old school tea. <laughs> we had matches. Okay. There we go. Uh, Friday. And that means Romana Hussein, sometimes columnist, sometimes uh, editor. And uh, she's hunkered down at her home uh, in Rogers Park. Romana, are you safe and sane today? Yeah, I'm
0: safe.
2: I don't know if I'm sane. <laughs> well, at least you're <laughs> But honest. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm uh, okay. We, we, we had a bit, uh, bit of a conversation earlier when we were thinking about what we were going to talk about that. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on Uh turns out that you and I are both going through this phase of quarantine where we're sleeping a lot more where it's now you you were always an early riser. I always struggle with getting up before nine o'clock no
0: no 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 no. (laughs) I'm I'm a night owl um you're probably mistaking me for my husband McDumkey who's a morning person I married into a family of people who are very, they're like extreme morning people. And my family is totally the opposite. We're all late sleepers. Like we think waking up at um, 11 is normal, like on a weekend. I'm with <laughs> okay. you 100% on that. <laughs> and uh, for my husband, sleeping in is at 9 a.m. That's not sleeping in for me. That's like a good night of sleep. Um,
2: wait, can we just take a moment? And I'm
0: not a napper. I'm not a napper either. I don't nap. Which is something my husband does when he can. I just like sleeping straight through the night, but um, I can stay up really late and then I like sleeping in. So no, but I, I, I sleep really well. I'm a good sleeper, but I wake up feeling exhausted for some reason.
2: Yeah, what is that all about? Have you done any study? On the, think, I'm the same way?
0: I, I think it's just um, just the stress of living like this. Um, you know, knowing that the day is not going to be that much different than the day before. um, Because it kind of feels like Groundhog's Day. So you wake up and the last couple of days have been rainy. So I just wake up and I had like more than eight hours of sleep. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to go to work. And I wait till the last minute until I can roll out of bed. And that's what I do when I get up. And, um, you know, I usually sometimes I check in. I mean, hopefully no one of my bosses are listening, like maybe 10 minutes before I'll still be in bed when my day starts and I'll I'll check in on Slack and say hey I'm in but I'll still be like lying in bed for 10 more minutes (laughs) I mean there's no stories to edit so I'll just roll out of bed but I like literally wait till the last minute because I'm just so tired I wake up I don't feel like I'm not one of those people who wakes up like and like two hours earlier even on a normal nor- when things are normal i like time my waking up so i can get ready eat breakfast and head out the door i don't wake up like three hours earlier i don't know how people do things before the work starts um i've been working out on uh before work um uh, before um work which is really rare i only do that once a week usually i work out after work and so those days that I have to get up a little earlier they're hard too <laughs> So I don't know. It's, I, I, I think it's just the exhaustion of living like this and being tired of this type of lifestyle where we're just stuck inside. So you wake up knowing that your day is going to be the same. You're just going to wake up and start work at the kitchen table. So I don't know. That's how I feel. I don't know how you feel about it.
2: I, I, I think that's a, a good analysis for why. I, I, I'm with you. I'm a night owl. Uh, many of the times I'm up at 4 in the morning reading. Uh, when I have to write a column, more often than not, I, I pop awake at 4.30, if, or I'm already up anyway, and I write the column. Uh, I do some of my best reading it in the in the wee hours. Uh, I hear the newspaper hit the front porch, Ramana, at like 5 in the morning, you know, the delivery. And, uh, and then I go I to bed.
0: Is your is is wife a uh, night owl too? uh
2: she's heading in that direction she didn't used to be but now she's she's always talking about i want to go to bed earlier but then i notice it's like one o'clock is roughly the time when she goes to bed so uh yeah and i i have a really hard time getting up before 10 in the morning and dennis always makes fun of me because you know the rest of the world is up already
0: yeah, I know. I, I actually, like, on Saturdays and Sundays, whenever I wake up late, and then I see all these people, like, doing things, I'm like, oh my God, what time do they get up? Like, why would you get up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday? Like, I just don't get it. But
2: Okay, now this is the... Before we move on to the other things, this is, we always throw Mick under the bus, a dear friend of mine and uh, Rumanas husband, but when Mick and I go to the football games, the the, early, the Northwestern game start at 11, a god-awful early hour, Saturday morning at 11, and uh, so I will, like... Barely awake. It's nine thirty, and Mick is already walking to the gate. I
0: thought I, <laughs> I, I he wakes up like at eight a.m. and I'm like, go back to sleep. And he's like, no, I can't. And I'm like, w- why do you want to? If you have nothing to do, I, I just don't see. it. He gets up and starts working out. And I, I, like even even now, it's like he's all showered and sitting at the kitchen table. And I like drag myself out of bed and I'm wearing my pajamas. And he's like, what are you going to do when you have to get dressed up? And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get dressed up. <laughs> yeah. I want to dress up. I just don't want to dress up at home. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, there, I, I think my just waking up is harder now.
2: All right. Now, uh, this is on the I'm going to uh, shift things a around because you, you've you mentioned uh, the fact that uh, it's Groundhog's Day. We're under siege. We're getting all sick and tired of being uh, locked in her homes. Dennis was talking about this earlier. It's just the sense of just burnout with the existence that we're, 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 confronting. Uh, the front page of the Chicago Tribune, I'll show it to you, shows people in Wisconsin happily cavorting at a bar The the Supreme court, I've already talked about this in the show, the Supreme court of Wisconsin by a four to three ruling, uh, essentially said that uh, Governor Tony Evers does not have the constitutional right to shut down the state. And immediately bars open and people flock to bars. This one is uh, a picture of a pub in Lake Geneva. I saw pictures of bars in Fond du Lac and Appleton and other cities in Wisconsin where people just thronged the bars, no masks on, next to each other, hugging, holding, you know, shaking hands, uh, as though they had no doubt whatsoever in their minds ramana that there's no serious danger from this pandemic when you see this yeah. what's your thoughts
0: i <laughs> i i actually looked through some i scrolled through some ap pictures right before uh we started this chat and yeah i was i was amazed i mean trust me i would like to go and hang out with a bunch of people too myself but i would think that you take baby steps i don't think you would just you know wake up one day and just, I don't think I would um, just run. I'd want to, I'd have that desire to go out and hang out um, at a Wisconsin bar. Probably not, but um, just like seeing some of the pictures. I mean, there's one picture of a guy getting a haircut and the, the barber had a mask and the guy had a mask. I, part of me understood that, like people want to get haircuts. It's obviously not an essential thing, but people just feel out of sorts, you know, with their hair going all growing all over the place. So they had their masks on. The bar pictures were a little more jarring, just like people just sitting so close. You would think that, okay, if they're going to open bars or restaurants, at least have some sort of social distancing. And I know the whole point of a bar is so people can sit and mingle. But I, I, I just feel like it's it's interesting. I, I my I have a niece who actually goes to school in Milwaukee. So my older sister, her mom was worried about her. But it turns out, like, I think in the bigger cities in Milwaukee, they still have the shelter in place. So I'll let my sister know that. But um, it's just interesting. I I don't know if, you know, you, you wonder if anything happens in Wisconsin. We're so close to Wisconsin being Illinois. You know, does that make things worse in Illinois? Because people are just hanging out. What if they get sick and then they, you know. Just happen to get in in contact, you know, for a day with you know, passing by someone in Chicago and get more people sick. So it could affect you know the neighboring states too. I think.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, it's. I a, don't know.
0: Maybe maybe those people maybe those people just hang out at the bars and that's all they do. So do,
2: so, you, have, do you ever have this moment where you doubt the scientists and the doctors? Do you ever a moment where you think you know maybe the MAGA hat crowd is right? on this one
0: no i don't okay. but <laughs> just talk about um, yeah uh, my father um was a doctor and i obviously i do believe in science but you know one of the things my dad did say um this is when he got sick he had non-hodgkin's lymphoma he said a lot of people think doctors have all the answers but we really don't we only know very little he was talking about the human body he said you know that's why they have all these like, you know you know you go you go back to school every year and there's always new studies that come out. so he's like, we're not we're not we don't know everything everything. we're sometimes we are guessing just like everyone else. but I think they do work on you know, they work on you know research, they work on science so i i I would rather trust what the scientists and doctors are saying at this point than what some politicians are saying when they're defying what scientists and doctors are saying. so I don't know. I, I never doubt, you know, there's obviously, you know, when you have a doctor and you have a condition, you can always get a second opinion and all doctors don't agree on things. But I think in this case, we're having a lot of the scientists and the doctors all kind of, all kind of agreeing that this is a very coronavirus is very serious. COVID-19 is a very serious infectious disease and it can kill you. And you might not have the symptoms, but you could pass it on to someone else so in in. in and evidently, you know, cause them to die. So you do have to be careful. I think everybody at this point, I know we're talking about it. We are tired of living this kind of life where we're locked inside and have very little contact. But you know, I think, I think there's a difference between people saying, Hey, I'm not going to wear a mask. because I don't want to wear a mask to the people who are just like, I'm so tired of this. I wish I didn't have to do this. And you know, I wish I could see my friends and they're, they're maybe waffling a little on uh, social distancing, but they're trying. I right. think I think there's a difference between the people who are trying, the people who are like, I don't want to do this. I don't believe I don't believe the politicians. I don't believe the scientists. And this is taken where? Right.
2: Well, we had a moment. I, I
0: think there's a difference.
2: Yeah, I do. By the way, and if I, uh, I I understand what your dad was saying was true, that the doctors don't have all the answers, uh, and uh, Dr. Fauci actually said this at, at congressional testimony. I don't. He actually he conceded. There's an exchange with Senator Paul uh, from Kentucky and. Paul was coming aggressively at him saying that he's overstating the the crisis. And Fauci was saying, I don't have all the answers. I am humble in the face of this crisis. Um, So he acknowledged that most doctors will tell you they don't have the answers. That said, I think. Your dad and Dr. Fauci had more answers than the people cavorting at this bar on the front page of the Chicago <laughs> Tribune. Uh, if I gotta listen to Ramona's dad or <laughs> Billy Joe at the bar, I'm hmm, gonna think I'm gonna go with Ramona's dad. I'm just saying, Ramona.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like I, my um, sometimes my husband uh, is talking about doctors and criticizing them. I'm like, hey, watch this. I'm like, my dad was a doctor. And I actually don't come from a line of doctors. My dad was the only one who got educated in his family. My mom wanted one of us to become doctors. and We didn't, but she's happy my niece is kind of going toward that track. (laughs) And we have other relatives who went into it. But, um, no, it's definitely like some scientists, you know, they do work on logic. And that is important. And I'm always someone who's not always based in science either. Like, I like doing things that aren't necessarily... Based in fact, I like to think, but you know, I do when it comes to disease and, um, you know, especially an in infectious disease like this and vaccination, I do think it's important for us to listen to the scientists and doctors. So, I just don't get the politicizing of the COVID 19 outbreak. Like, why has it become a political thing where it's like if you don't believe in, you know, a demo, if you're not, you don't lean left or you're not a democrat you're going to just defy the orders i just don't i just don't understand that well Well, i mean i do i understand why it's happening but i'm saying that it's sad that it's politicized i think matthew mcconaughey was on fox news to tell to tell people who watch fox news that, you know, this has nothing to do with, this is, bi- this is not a bipartisan issue, which is kind of funny. A friend of mine posted posted his interview on Facebook. So I think you should check that out. I,
2: I am definitely going to check that out. And we will be just taking the deep dive on that one next week. McConaughey weighs in. I haven't heard <laughs> from McConaughey. Let's see what he has to say about it. Uh, in, in many ways, the, uh, the political ramifications of this uh, situation were on full display at the White House. I think it was earlier this week. Uh, a confrontation between uh, President Trump uh, and Weijia Zhang of CBS News, CBS Reporter. And I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I've dutifully listened to the uh, YouTube pronunciation of her name, because I know my name gets butchered all the time, Romana. But anyway, uh, and uh, Dennis has it queued up. We're going to play it. But what you won't see is the, the visual of, I don't know if I, I sent it to you so you could see it, but the visual where the reporters like John, her colleagues are all practicing social distancing. They're, they're not sitting on top of each Uh other. They're like, they're in the outside and at least six feet apart and they're all wearing masks and Trump's not wearing a mask. It's, it's surreal. Trump will not wear a mask. So that's part of the message he's sending out that gets it to what you're saying. Like this is resistance on the part of Republicans that they don't Want to wear masks as, as a political statement of some sorts, and that, it, it, in addition to the confrontation itself, and you know what it all says about journalism in the age of Trump, that that struck me. Did did you see the visual of that as well with with Trump not wearing the mask? I
0: did. It. I did watch. I watched the back and forth, and uh, we saw actually Jane uh, put out pulled down her mask. And, you know when when he started asking her why she didn't ask about China, I think I think she really wanted to. You know, press press him about why she was just particularly saying that to her. Maybe just to show her entire face. I thought that was I thought that was a pretty interesting gesture
2: when she pulled the mask down. Right, like like this is yes. Showtime. You see who I am. Do you,
0: yeah, you? exactly for showdown.
2: So. All right, uh, Dennis is going to play the clip and then we'll uh, riff on it.
1: It may be tough for you to hear. Hopefully you'll hear it okay.
0: I said many times okay. that the U.S. is doing far better than any other country when it comes to testing. Yes. Why does that matter? Why is this a global competition to you if every day Americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day?
3: Well, they're losing their lives everywhere in the world. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. Don't ask me, ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very unusual answer. Yes, behind you, please.
0: Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically?
3: I'm but telling you, I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question That's like that. That's not a nasty please question. Please go ahead.
0: Why does it matter?
3: Okay, uh, anybody else? Please go ahead in the back, please.
0: I have, to, I have two questions. No, it's okay. But we'll you go pointed here. to me. I have two questions, Mr. Next,
3: President. Next. Next, please.
0: But you, did, you called on me.
3: I did, and you didn't respond. And now I'm calling on Sorry,
0: I just want the young
2: lady to, in the back, please. I
0: just wanted to let my colleague finish, okay. but can I ask you Ladies question, and
3: gentlemen, please? thank you very much. Appreciate
2: you, it. You all right, there you go. Did you hear all that, Romana? It came pretty clear.
0: Yes, I did, and I, and I watched it too, like earlier. Uh, all
2: right, so your 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 thoughts.
0: Um, I I think it definitely. Um, he was trying to get at her because she was a Chinese American, and he was you know offended that someone would ask a question about why he makes everything a competition and has to tell everybody that he's wonderful and he's doing everything great, making America great again, and. Yeah, it was another dig at, you know, this is a Chinese virus. It was his back to his um, comments that he, I don't even want to say teeter on. They are xenophobic comments. And attacking someone that's Asian and who is of Chinese descent is definitely an attack. I, I, I found it to be something that was an attack. So she was asking a legitimate question. And then he had to go, why don't ask China? And that's how he kind of tried to shut her down. And I I, I think it was good that she confronted him and had him, you know, I think he stopped the press conference right after. So I'm glad she confronted him because I think the um, commentary from him was very xenophobic.
2: All right. Now I am going to play devil's advocate the roles are reversed usually i'm opining something lefty and romana's say well on the other hand so let's uh, flip the switch i already sent you an article uh, which I'm, i always make romana read all these stories on friday i sent an article by some conservative uh, who is saying that uh jang overstepped her bounds and that the other reporter too whose name i don't know who at the end uh, stepped up uh, and confronted trump on this issue overstepped their bounds, that reporters should just ask questions. They should not uh, have opinions embedded in those questions. So the question itself was uh, out of bounds that that, uh, Jang asked, that question being, you know, why are you so concerned about how United States ranks with other countries? Why is this a competition? That question, embedded in that question, was a prejudgment, a bias against Trump, and she was not acting like an objective reporter. I have my opinion about this, but I'm just curious what your opinion is,
0: Romana. Well, I think if you're personally attacked, I think that it's okay for a journalist. I think, I think the question was legitimate because that is, some, that is a criticism of Trump, that he always wants to make something about how wonderful he is and how he's doing such a great job. So I think as a journalist, um, when you're talking to a politician, they're always talking about what a great job they're doing. I think it's okay to ask, like, why are you making everything a competition? Or question them to see whether they're do- they're really doing a good job. So I didn't think the question was really that personal. And I did read the article that you sent me. Yeah, of course, we don't want make- to make everything personal. Like, if I was interviewing Lori Lightfoot, I wouldn't always say, oh, why are you well, why are you saying this about me? But if she's- if I was talking to the mayor or the governor and then they said something like, why don't you ask someone in India? I think I would I think I would get offended. I would say, like, why are you saying that to me? Like, why aren't you saying that to, you know, say Mick was sitting next to me. Like, why isn't someone asking him if he asked someone in Ireland or Germany? (laughs) You know, (laughs) wherever his ancestors are from. (laughs) So I'm just saying, it's definitely, um, you know, I think it is an attack when you're you know, pointing to someone's um, ethnic background. I mean, if if, if there was an African American reporter and he said something like, "Why did you ask someone in Africa or another country?" I think it would be equally offensive. So, I I thought that article about um, saying that journalists, you know, are doing too much in criticizing Trump, are, are doing too much criticism of Trump. I I think it was kind of off base. I didn't I, I didn't think it made sense. I think anybody would um, probably um, be feel offended if their ethnic background or their, you know, cultural background or the religious background was, you know, pinpointed by a leader.
2: Yeah. Uh, excellent. I totally agree with everything you said on that one. Uh, and I give her credit for standing up uh, for herself. She took the ma- the mask down so there would be no, so everybody could see her full face. That's what she did. And it was a, like, show showdown moment there. Uh, and I yeah. actually give her credit. Um, listen, you mentioned Mick. Mick had one of the well. In retrospect, it's funny. Uh, funny ex- exchange. Mayor Daly, way back when, threatened to um, stick a rifle up Mick's butt because he didn't like the question <laughs> Mick was asking. It was perhaps Mick's finest moment as a journalist, uh, and it drew a lot of attention. But um, I think that sometimes a mayors, presidents go overboard, and I. I have respect for reporters who stand up for themselves in moments like that, and it's and it's a daunting yeah. situation. It's not easy to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was. Um, I'm not going to mention the name of the reporter, but when I was starting off at City News, uh, Mayor Daly um, was announcing the layoff of. I think it was. I think it was uh, people who worked for Franco Mint, and he had some of the workers on stage, and there was a young TV reporter who had big teeth, and so. The mayor, mayor daily thought this guy was laughing, but he just had his mouth open and he had big teeth. And uh, the mayor kept saying, "Why are you laughing?" And he kept like attacking the guy. He's like, "You think this is funny? Wipe that smirk off your face!" And it was just like a back and forth and uh jackie heard the press secretary at the time um apologize on behalf of the mayor but it became this thing where in that where he was like attacking this guy and this guy just happened to have big teeth and so the mayor thought this guy was laughing and it was just like it, it was just really uncomfortable i remember just being like what is going on and he just started picking on this guy he thought he said you think people losing your jobs is funny you think this is a funny and he just kept telling the guy like you think this is funny you're laughing <laughs> so yeah. you know and i think that I, I think at the time the reporter was a little shaken so he didn't really he just said i'm not laughing and it 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 was it was uncomfortable so yeah. i think in those situations you do have to defend yourself
2: by the way in that situation mayor daly himself should have done the apology not have his press secretary yeah. do. he himself should have made the apology in a, in a situation like that show some humility uh by the way it just reminds me of of the showdown moment similar similar when Lori Lifefoot was confirmed front it with some questions by the chicago press corps about her haircut and you and i have talked about this uh a couple times romana i was w- i believe that was a legitimate question by a reporter doing his or her job i can't remember it was a man or woman who was asking the questions uh and laura Lori- i thought Lori lightfoot went overbound you know by trying to flip the switch and counter Uh, I believe a little humility and a part of our leaders would be welcome every now and then. In that case, you know what? Yeah, I blew it. I shouldn't have had the haircut. You're absolutely correct. Please don't. do. Instead, she's like, I got to look. I'm the face of Chicago. Don't. How dare you ask me that question? And all these people on the north side. Yeah. Yeah. Mayor Lightfoot, we love you. (laughs) You're right. I hate that reporter. So I was with that. I don't even know who the. Do you remember? Who was the reporter that asked that question? Do you remember?
0: I forgot. I think it was a TV reporter, TV if I'm not horror. mistaken. I could be wrong, but I, I thought it was a legitimate question, too. It shouldn't, it's not It's not like, uh, I don't think it's from page news, but it's a legitimate question, especially when she was doing the videos, I think, of, you know, saying things like, well, you don't need to get your hair touched up right now. This is a pandemic. So I, I'm on your end. I do think it's a legitimate question, especially in this day and age.
2: Absolutely. All right, let's uh, move on to the uh, time of the show. Oh, wait, before we do that, let's give a, sh- uh, a tribute uh, before we get to the Reminders recommendation, which is all going to be Bulls talk. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, a, a dear friend of both of ours uh, passed away this week, and uh, we. I already had a moment of silence on the show for Albert Dickens. That's. Uh, I'm probably going to write something for the reader about him. Uh, a very uh, interesting guy. He was worked for years at the Sun Times. I met him when he worked at the Daily News. Talk a little bit about uh, the legacy of the great Albert Dickens.
0: Yeah, Albert Dickens has. Um, he was a, technically his title was editorial assistant, but he he was someone that did everything. He had you know, he was known for his knowledge about everything. And I was told he is actually a very good artist this week by. Uh, you know, a mutual friend that works at the Sun-Times. He um, used to help in the sports department and recently moved on to the news department. So I got to know Albert pretty well. Um, Just a nice guy. He's been there since uh, I was born in the early 70s, been at the Sun-Times, Has been a fixture there. And he was just such a sweet guy, very nice guy. And he had a stroke maybe, I want to say less than a year ago or, or within the year, year and a half. And he had been in a rehab facility because he couldn't live on his own anymore. And a lot of people were visiting him and he just passed away. We found out Monday. Uh, I think we found out Monday. Yeah. Monday, Monday we found out. So just a really nice guy, really nice to talk to, um, 82 years old. So he was working for a long time when a lot of people retire, um, just a really sad, sad, sad situation. Um, you know, it, it's sad that, you know, he couldn't get visitors after a while. Um, a colleague of mine told me that he had called him a few days earlier and just said, I just need someone to talk to. So that just makes me really sad that he had died that way. But, you know, he's I know he led, led a very full life just hearing about him. I had no idea just from reading his obituary, there were some things I didn't know about him. I didn't know he was, he liked fishing in, I forgot where, but he lived, he used to go off out of state and go fishing. I didn't know that about him, but um, he did know what um, like people told me. He knew many different languages Could speak, you know, speak Yiddish with people. And um, I thought the best story about him in the, his obituary about how Charlton Heston once called the Sun-Times desk and he thought it was a joke and he hung up and then it turned out to, he thought it really was Charlton Heston. And, and he said, he made a joke about how he hung up on Moses.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: Um, and he was actually very one of the funny things about him was like he was a very gentle soul but when there were callers and we do get a lot of callers who are very persistent and ask us very um, questions that we know nothing about or they'll you know they'll they'll be complaining about something and then they'll kind of go off the handle and most of the time we're told to be polite but Albert would just you just see you when you heard Albert going back and forth. We're like, oh, he's talking to a caller, for being unreasonable. <laughs> so it was definitely, it was definitely inter- entertaining to watch that. Yeah, but we will miss him, and you know, we obviously have been missing him because he hasn't been in the office um, since he got sick. So. Um, yeah, really sad, really but, sad um, week for us at the
2: Sun-Times. Yeah, no, uh, well put, uh, Ramana. Albert Dickens, a, a great uh, figure at the Sun-Times for all these years. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'll probably uh, weigh in as well. Uh, all right, and uh, Ramana's recommendation, let's be honest, we'll both be watching on Sunday night the last two episodes of The Last Dance. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say, Ramana, that this is a perfect documentary. There are some issues with the documentary. That said, I have loved it. It's been, I've looked forward. Sunday, I find myself like at two in the afternoon thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to try two more. Man, I can't wait. I'm reliving this glory run and Michael Jeffrey Jordan and all his complexities and his inconsistencies and just, you know, you loved him as a bull leading the team to championships, but what a jerk off the court. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, I just absolutely can't – I'm going to miss it when it's – you know what I'm saying? It's like one of those things I'm going to miss not having the last dance to watch. What about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, even like I told you when we discussed this earlier, I'm not the hugest bull fan, bull fan like you are. But I find it pretty fascinating too. Um, you know, anybody who was alive during that era remembers Michael Jordan and, you know, the insanity. I think I think basketball actually became hip because of the Chicago Bulls, in, in my opinion, to the larger audience. Maybe maybe you always like basketball, but I felt like a lot of a, a lot of um, at least I'm talking about women. I know that didn't even care about sports, like because I've always been a baseball fan. And I understand people who don't like baseball because it can be pretty boring, but I've always been a Cub fan. But I remember friends of mine who never cared about sports, all of a sudden they're wearing Bulls jerseys. <laughs> and, you know they're, they're, you know, they're talking about that slogan. I love this game. And I think, I think, I think, I feel like the Bulls kind of made, uh, I think they made basketball or the NBA kind of hit. Like, and so I, I do remember that time period. So it was, it is interesting watching all the players because like I said I do remember all the players that they're showing and so it's interesting seeing all the behind scenes stories that you're hearing about like I never knew Michael Jordan was that hard on his teammates but that's something I was learning maybe that was something that was always said but I. I so um, my husband making us watch like so where we have one extra one so we'll have three episodes this week we we didn't watch all of them last okay. week so he can have an extra one he wants to savor it <laughs> So, but we are probably going to watch, we're going to be down one this, this weekend, but I, 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 have enjoyed it and oh, I, I think it's, it's,
2: no, it's just funny. Just it's trying funny, to let it go longer, but it's still going to run out yeah. with the right, you know, eventually. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know it. it, it is. It, I mean, like I said, I even told my younger sister who, you know, she's like me, like we liked the bold, we followed it, but we weren't like huge fans. And she was even like, you know, she's been texting me. She's like maybe caught up with the same episodes as I am. She's like, I never knew this. And she's like, we were talking about um, actually Michael Jordan's dad and when he was murdered. Because I remember that vividly. I just didn't know he was missing for that long. And just the whole um, Michael Jordan joining the Sox. I remember that. And. You know the gambling rumors, and I still thought that was weird that that was so controversial because it really wasn't if you thought about it.
2: Well, he's he loves gamble. gamble, yeah,
0: yeah. But a lot of people like to gamble, right? You, and
2: you, you know, we did a—I uh, told you already—I uh, did an interview with Craig Hodges, and you can listen to it. It's uh, we did it, dropped it last night, and he goes into the whole issue of Michael Jordan being tough on his teammates, and it's, he had some really interesting things to say about it. Craig Hodge is a very proud man. He's not going to let anyone treat him that way. Uh, and so anybody who knows anything about the early bulls, in, uh, Michael Jordan was sort of selective in who he bullied and intimidated. If he felt yeah. he could get away with it, he would bully the person. You know, if that if that person was accepting for one reason or another that kind of taunting, he would go there. But if the person confronted him, he, he fell back. And uh, he had just... De- Definitely had that relationship with Craig Hodges, where Craig Hodges stood up to him. And Craig talks about it in the interview, the exchanges they had. Well, and, and yeah, I'm
0: going to listen to the interview. I'm going to listen to the interview and we can discuss that next week yes, for next sure. Week. But yeah, I, I, I did find it fascinating. I just didn't know about that history.
2: Well, here's one last thing to talk Maybe to you about, different. Craig Hodges, which I, I shared with you earlier. Craig Hodges uh, in w- paid a price for his political beliefs. He was essentially exiled from the NBA, uh, blacklisted, and not— He wasn't even—he was a three-time defending champion in a three-point shootout, and they weren't even going to invite him back to to compete because he wasn't on a team. And finally, public pressure forced them uh, to invite him back. So he paid a price for his political beliefs. He was Colin Kaepernick before Colin Kaepernick. Uh, But one of the things that they would say about him at the time, almost like as an explanation— uh, is well, you know, Craig Hodges is Muslim, and this Craig Hodges openly, he, I'm not Muslim. He says that, you know what I mean? I'm not Muslim, and, and it's kind of a weird thing because I would say to him, "Well, Craig, why are you more forceful about saying I'm not Muslim?" And he goes, "Because there's nothing wrong with being Muslim." You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> so why should I? It's like, it's not like if you, if I were Muslim, I would have done something wrong, you know? So I'm just, you want to call me whatever you want. And then he was like i studied uh all the religions he he, he even studied the torah he told me so uh, you know he's a very open-minded guy in a lot of ways he's open to a lot of different ideas (laughs) so that was sort of like oh well he's muslim you know that explains a lot of things (laughs) you know the muslim guy (laughs)
0: well as a muslim i remember in when they first won the championship in 91 we're all like, oh, isn't he Muslim? And we're all excited. So I'm just saying, like, when you are Muslim, you're like, oh, that guy's Muslim. And then you get excited about it. But I'll definitely, I'm sure we'll have more time to expand on it. But Colin Kaepernick, um, his girlfriend is Muslim. So a lot of people said, oh, once he got with that woman, he he started becoming becoming militant, you know. And so it's interesting because I do think um, when, you know, our president was, quote-unquote accused of being a Muslim. So, um, you know, and that's supposed to be a bad thing. And I remember I was like, well, why do people make it sound like it's a slur? Like Barack Obama's not a Muslim, not a Muslim, you know, and it's like, it's not a slur. And, and you know, actually, I, I, I attended a um, Journalist of Color conference that year before um, Obama was elected. And someone did ask him, like, how come you're not so strong about saying that, you know, if I was a Muslim, who cares? And he said, well, if I say what he was saying that no matter what he says, he's going to be wrong about it. And so it, it was pretty interesting. His answer is pretty interesting. I got to go back and listen to yeah. it. But um, the NAVJ had hosted um, a QA and a session with him. And that was one of the questions that came up. And um, I think I personally, I think Obama does not care if <laughs> people think he's Muslim, but politically he has to say that. And that and that's one of the things I think we can discuss next week when I listen to the Craig Hodges interview and just say how um, when people are Muslims, they are treated differently. I bet if I was think I told Mick like this earlier this week, because, you know, we have a lot of people from churches that um, had sued J.B. Pritzker for not being allowed to convene. It's Ramadan right now. And I think that if Muslims had these news conferences saying, "Hey, we're not going to listen. We're gonna, we're all going to go congregate and, you know, have our, um, we have special prayers during Ramadan, and in, in addition to the five daily prayers, if Muslims were doing this, trust me, this would be a big headline, and everybody would be calling us crazy Muslims. So I do think, I do think in this country, different religious groups definitely get a pass for their crazies. Yeah. But uh, if if this was Muslims saying, "Open up, we're going to go start praying and," we're going to congregate, there would have been a lot more uproar.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, and, and for a while, the narrative was being put out there. I don't know. It it doesn't even have to be valid for it to be put out that somehow or other, uh, mosques were open at this time and churches weren't i don't know if you saw that but the, that narrative was being put forth in texas and various uh, red states uh, you no, know
0: i didn't get to hear about that yeah
2: and and it i mean i don't know what they were based on. it doesn't who knows what it doesn't have to be based on anything remotely resembling truth yeah. for it to be put out uh but i was shaking my head going here we go again and um <laughs> so yeah i uh we'll this is this will be our assignment for uh next week we're going to track down that barack obama uh, quip and then uh we'll listen to it and talk about it how about that that'll be our assignment
0: yeah, yeah. and then i think we can do a whole michael jordan muhammad ali oh my goodness comparison.
2: yes we will do that next week that was on my list so, but, but we'll do that, next week. We'll do that can, next week
0: i can do a whole podcast
2: on that uh i look forward to that i could talk about i could talk about michael jordan and Muhammad Ali for hours at a time. I worship the ground that Muhammad Ali uh, walked on, but that's, well, back in the uh, 80s and the 70s, but that's a whole other story. All right, Ramana, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll see you next week, okay?
0: Okay, take care.
2: That's the great Ramana Hussein, Chicago Sun-Times editor and columnist. That was a blast talking to her, and it was a blast talking to you today, D. Great show today, young man. Yeah, good times. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's see. We have to uh, end the show today. Uh, We have two interviews to do. So we're going to be very busy people in the attic. And those interviews will drop uh, this weekend. Any updates before we go, D?
1: Uh, Yeah, we got one here. Uh, I'm looking for it. Uh, By the way, make sure to download the Benny J bonus interviews we were just talking about. Ben, where can they find them?
2: At the Chicago Reader and Chicago (laughs) Sun-Times. Right?
1: (laughs) both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. alright quick update here the following comes from Block Club Chicago mm-hmm. Uh, Let's see here. It says, Faced with protests at her doorstep and opposition from Alderman, Mayor Lightfoot called off an emergency demolition at Old Crawford Coal Plant in Little Village on Thursday. Protesters chanted outside Lightfoot's house and outside the Little Village site Thursday night after city officials quietly gave a contractor permission to do more work at the site just weeks after a botched explosion covered the mostly Latino neighborhood in dusting during a respiratory pandemic. Uh, Just an hour after the protest, the mayor tweeted the new demolition work would be stopped and i have the tweet here she says in order to allow additional time to continue discussions with the community about the structurally dangerous condition of that small building the city has ordered that for now the demolition will not move forward for the next several days
2: good was a bad idea to to destroy the smokestack, and we all know the, the consequences, dust and soot and the very time.
1: I mean, would this tweet from Mayor Lightfoot kind of say that she's kind of admitting that
2: was a mistake the last time? That's as close as an all-powerful mayor in the city of Chicago will say to me. Man, I blew that one. Right? D, they don't do that in Chicago. You know have Mayors can never admit that they're wrong, you know? <laughs> I never made a mistake. I'm the mayor. And then the people on the north side, she's the mayor, Ben. Show some respect okay but, but by the way they were saying the same thing to me in 1990s about daily just can't you say something nice about the mayor for once in your life say something nice all right anyway i'm i'll say something nice we'll close with me saying something nice about the mayor good job uh mayor lightfoot i think that's the right decision uh let's halt the demolition in the middle of a pandemic so good decision how about that dude?
1: it is beautiful outside springtime
2: love it <laughs> Oh, that's priceless, you drink. JB Pritzker from the, the vault. That commercial he did where he's walking out of his car in the ate, Wait, let me, what's your favorite rock band? Oh, Steve Miller. Anyway, great job, Romana Hussein. Really appreciate you every Friday on The Ben Jarofsky Show. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And it's JB Pritzker, Lori Lightfoot, Romana Hussein. And Donald Trump will tell you back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: Haven't gotten a raise in a long time, gang. And remember, download those Benny J bonus interviews.
3: get down to business let's begin with phase one springtime love it
0: said many times that the u.s is doing far better than any other country when it comes to testing yes why does that matter why is this a global competition to you if every day americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day
3: well they're losing their lives everywhere in the world and maybe that's a question you should ask china